Welcome to All the Nuggets. Thank you so much for being part of the Nugget crew. I am your host, Miranda Reyes with Miranda Madison Events, and I am so grateful that you are sharing a part of your day with me. Enjoy this podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. I have RC on the line, and I actually know her from... Family friends through the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation and we had met and I had known a lot about her and everyone was just like, you need to be her friend and we're now just family, honestly. Um, RC, why don't you kind of let people know your business, where you're currently running that from. And then, like I said, we'll kind of just get into chatting about entrepreneurship life and what's it like. <laughs> awesome. Okay, my name is uh, RC. I my birth name's Rose. I also go by Ross. I'm transgender, uh, but non-binary. I own a business working as a certified arborist. More specifically, a tree doctor dealing with plant pathology, diagnostics of the health of trees and shrubs throughout New York City, greater and greater metropolitan area. I um, have been doing that for about 12 years and have been in business six years, going to my seventh year. I'm 38 years old this month, April 22nd. Wait, that's my dad's birthday. Yeah, well. Wait, oh, and that's sure. Earth Day, so that's super fun that yes. you were born on that day. <laughs> I love it's that. It's really funny. It's funny. <laughs> and my birth name my birth name is Rose, so people often say, Oh, you're in the right business. Yeah. Oh my god. Work working with gardens. Yeah. I also own and operate with my sister Paula Cantu, a nonprofit that we started in October twenty seventeen and we've been working with indigenous populations specifically and most 90% of our business is conducted in the Pine Ridge uh, Indian Reservation and we work with the BEAR program. That's our our main connect out there. Um, My for-profit business, which I didn't say the name is Holistic Plant Healthcare, uh, is it funds the nonprofit about 30% of my sales go into that nonprofit to keep some small projects that we do there alive. So then when, so you said you've been in like the plant world for 12 years then, is that correct? Yes. So then what was your start? Like what was your kind of in, I guess, to the plant world? Uh, well, it was kind of, something that I've always been interested in since I was young was trees and nature, mm. um, the outdoors. I, even in high school, I frequently went in times of struggle to force preserves. The area I was born in Elgin, Illinois, is there's sprinkled all around lots of forest preserves in this area. And I would go and I feel solace and comfort in being surrounded by the trees. At that point in time, I didn't know the difference between an oak and a maple. Mm. Uh, I was a troubled teenager, so 
I was involved in a lot of drugs and alcohol and a lot of other things on the road to destruction. But at some point I had an epiphany and decided to change my trajectory and got sober. But at that point, my GPA was butchered. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, no university would even really look at me. Mm-hmm. Um, so as far as careers go, I wasn't very career minded, but I thought, you know, what can I do? I'm not really going to get a formal education here. I had dropped out of high school, but went back and uh, managed to finish my my degree, but not with flying colors. So, <clears throat> sorry, just turning up my car. So it's a little noisy. Uh, so I was thinking I was going to go into the trades because mm-hmm. I could make good money and uh, yeah. it was a good al- alternative for people who you know, aren't, aren't so scholarly like myself. Uh, a lot of the trades are, they do make good money, but they're backbreaking. I stumbled into arboriculture through a friend, Jason James, mm-hmm. who told me, you know, he climbed trees daily for money. I said, you're kidding me. He said, why don't you apply at this company? The company was called The Care of Trees, and it's it was located in uh, out here in Deer Park, Illinois. Mm-hmm. I got the job, and I started doing this kind of work on the ground, just dragging branches to a chipper for okay. $11 an hour. Okay. Yeah. And, and it led me into a love of trees and arboriculture and learning you know, specifically about the science of trees, and which led me into eventually owning my own business. Hmm. So then... When you first started off, did you ever think that you would be where you are now? Or what was kind of like your goal at the time? Hold on a second. Let me back this. I feel like I'm in the parked in the wrong area here. <laughs> Sorry, guys. You can edit that out. Maybe. Maybe you can edit this out, but this lady's staring at me. No, I'm at a okay. cemetery, by the way. Like, I love cemeteries, so I'm meeting my friend in a cemetery slash forest preserve. <laughs> Which is funny that I'm here because this is the one I used to come to all the time as a teenager. Oh. So repeat that question. Um, when you had first started off, you know, dragging branches everywhere and doing things like that, did you have a goal to like be where you are now, or like would you have ever imagined yourself to be where you are now? Uh, no, we didn't have any entrepreneurs in the family. No mm-hmm. business owners. Everybody. I come from a very blue-collar town Mm -hmm. um, where there's a lot of factories, at least there were at the time of my adolescence, so most people aspired to work. uh, Not a lot of white collars in this area. You would either work in a a factory, make decent money, a livable wage, and I never thought that, that that was not something that crossed my mind when I was dragging those branches that sure. I would one day own a company. Right. I, um, my goal at that point in time was to get out of this town and change okay. my story, my story. Yeah. Yeah. So then when did you move over to New York? I don't even think we, you had mentioned that you're in the New York. <laughs> what, when was your change or when was your move? Um, so that all ties in pretty nicely. I, at the point in time when I got hired at the Care of Trees, mm-hmm. 
I already had it in my mind that I needed to pick a city and, and I would roll the dice and the very first opening, because they had a few branches na- nationwide, not a lot, mm-hmm. um, but I picked some of my favorite areas and the first pick was Seattle, Washington, mm-hmm. San Francisco, California, mm-hmm. um, Denver, Colorado, Pittsburgh, or at the point at that time they had a pencil Philadelphia, mm-hmm. Pennsylvania branch, mm-hmm. and New York City, which was dead last, was New York, New York, mm-hmm. and uh, <clears throat> I rolled the dice, and I said the first job opening that comes up, they had a cork board in the office where yeah. they would post yeah. job openings. And uh, they posted one for the New York City area, and I went in to speak with my my manager at the time, uh, who who had taken a liking to me. I hadn't even been employed a year, mm-hmm. and he put in a good word, and that's how I ended up in New York City as well. Oh, okay. So then you moved to New York, still working for the same company, right? Yes. And then... When did you, and then from where, how how much longer were you with the company once you had moved? Once I had moved to New York, I remained employed with the Care of Trees for five years. Okay. And I continued to move up pretty rapidly from mm-hmm. managing the plant health care department to you know, they gave me multiple titles and the end game in that type of uh, commercial tree care is sales. Mm-hmm. That's your, that's where you really peak out. Sure. And they gave me a sales job and I was miserable. I hated it. Really? Uh, yeah. It was all about like selling, upselling and selling work and bottom lines and yeah. trying to squeeze every nickel and dime out of people and it just felt such a contrast to how I, how I view trees and yeah, and and nature. at that point you probably weren't even with the trees, right? You were just in the office, or were you still out in the field? I was out in the field doing property walks with potential clients or existing okay. clients, mm-hmm. but I was miserable. I wasn't really connecting in the way that I had the previous years. Sure. So I decided to pull like an Aaron Brockovich. Well, it was pretty cool because I, I, I went to the office and I had typed up two neatly, well-written, like uh, one-page letters. One mm-hmm. was a le- letter of resignation and the other one was just some requests I had for them to keep me on board. Okay. And uh, looking back at it, it's comical because I wasn't asking for much, but they declined. They were going under new management. They got bought out by a bigger company. Uh-huh. And I'm not talking poorly on on the Care of Trees or Davey because actually they did a lot for me. Yeah. And Davey yeah. is, is the parent company that bought Care of Trees. Okay. They did a lot a lot for me, but at that time, what I was requesting, they weren't able to meet those needs. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I gave them the resignation. And mm-hmm. I did cry. Oh. I cried. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I tried to be tough, but I, I cried. Yeah. Because I care, cared about the job. and. Sure. And th- at that point, it wasn't in my brain. Starting a business wasn't in my brain at all. Yeah. Still. Yeah. I just thought, I'm going to leave and uh, figure it out. Sure. Well, and I feel like crying 
when you're like telling someone that you're resigning or you're, you know, like you had done, given a letter of resignation, like that just shows how much you did care about that, you know, and either, you know, those are angry tears that you're frustrated or angry tears or just tears that you obviously cared. But like, that's how I view tears. But people view tears differently, you know, so it's hard, you know, so, um, so then, I mean, making that leap, was it immediately, like, after you had left that company, had you went and started your own, or then what did that look like after you had left? Well, I'm not going to state his name, but there was a, I got to kind of maybe choose my wording wisely okay. here. There was an individual okay. that was, I'm not trying to keep it vague, that saw something in me that I didn't even see in myself. Okay. I remember at times driving around for the care trees and thinking, wow, you know, I'm making a lot of money for them. And this work is pretty, it's pretty easy. It's, yeah. it's a skill. Like yeah. you, it's not easy in that sense that sure. you can't be knowledgeable, but the work itself, it doesn't break your back and it, it's lucrative and the gross profit margin is 80% or higher. Mm-hmm. It's really high. Sure. Um, so I couldn't even in my wildest dreams fathom actually being able to do it, but I saw an opportunity when someone saw something to me, mm. they, they just said, you know, you should consider this. And, uh, I had a lot of fear. I had no, no, um, I didn't know anything about running a business. I didn't know about the insurances New York required the mm. licenses sure. and New York city is a, is a tangled web to navigate when it comes to small business. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot, there's a lot. So he he basically has been my mentor okay. since um some since day one and it's because of him I'm in business and mm-hmm. I took that leap and then all of a sudden everything fell into place. It took about a year, you know, the first year was a definite struggle. Like I, I was very poor. I think I made maybe sixteen thousand dollars that year. And in a city like New York, it's yeah, be well below the poverty line yeah yeah i I struggled and then the second year was better and come the third fourth i was more than tripling my and now i'm into my seventh making over six figures sure sure wow so then i mean just talk to people though like what i mean you just what owning a business in New York is actually like, you know, what, what does that poverty level look like? Like, I mean, cause here, well, the, you know, like it's a lot different, obviously. Yeah. New York. Uh, I love, I love New York. Um, it, it is a beast. It, it will definitely chew you up and spit you out. But, mm-hmm. um, and, and, a city like New York, I will say this to anybody who might be considering entrepreneurship or starting a business or even it's crossed their mind that they could do something on their own. Mm-hmm. New York City is the mecca 
of sole proprietorships, sure. of freelancers, of of people that work for themselves and start their own small businesses. It can be a little bit of a tangled web to, to weave to get what paperwork you need to get in place, but with the guidance of somebody who knows, like I offer guidance, that's part of what our, our nonprofit does is we help small entrepreneurships, we do mentorships, we talk about or connect people with people who do know because mm-hmm. um, there's a whole lot that I don't know and I'm still learning six sure. years, seven years into business right. so making mistakes but uh um new york is the place to go you can do anything in new york it really is that cliche mm-hmm. like i once met a lady who had a dog the dog passed away unfortunately but uh she loved her dog so much and she was a client i took care of her small garden with a few river birch in the back mm-hmm. and at one point i was leaving and the dog acupuncturist was coming and it had really piqued my interest as they're talking about this woman. Well, apparently this woman found a market. It's a niche and uh, she goes around and she works herself and she's an acupuncturist for animals. She goes into people's houses. You can literally do anything in New York. If you have an idea for a service Mm -hmm. or a product or anything like New York's the place that you can find a market for it because there's so many people. There's like close to 9 million people in that city. I don't know the exact statistic, but they say eight, nine. The consensus there is weird. But, um, and there is something for everybody. Like you might think, oh, this is a stupid business idea. Maybe not in New York. I bet you somebody will buy it. Oh, yeah. Somebody will be interested. That's so crazy. Dog ac- acupuncture. <laughs> And she charges charge something crazy per hour. I think it was like three hundred an hour. And they'll pay it too. Yeah. Oh Absolutely. That's crazy. And that's also why you know, in light of everything that's happening with COVID nineteen, you know, staying in touch with my entrepreneurs in New York, it's like, you know, ninety percent, or maybe even nearing all of my friends are entrepreneurs and Mm -hmm. there's a bunch of us there where we're there because new york gives that sure opportunity it is a gift for those who want to if you want it and and it was hard you know work Mm -hmm. you can have it there and and the money as far as disposable income goes Mm -hmm. is pretty um high there there's people that have money to burn and they they want to pay for services well i feel like it's just convenience there you know like the uber eats and the grocery like i feel like really thrives there just because it's not a thing to have a car i feel like you know like everyone's just walking or subwaying or ubering or bus you know like there's really not it's just the convenience of it you know having it delivered to your door so then you don't have to go out (laughs) it is it's 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 a convenience but it's also you know the diversity there i think helps as well like the demographics in new york you see 
so much diversity, so much. Yeah. which is also why I love it. Yeah. So there's a variety of things, and uh, people like trying new things there as well. Mm-hmm. So it's, there's a different level, I think, of open-mindedness. Sure. And um, I'm very glad, I guess, just to, like, circle back, like, that when I spot when I dropped that dice on where I would land yeah even though New York City was dead last because I didn't feel enamored with the city mm-hmm. I felt like it was too big and too meh. Mm-hmm. and it and also was just like very predictable right it seems like every weird kid from the suburbs just freaking goes to New York City yeah <laughs> um, I almost felt a certain level of embarrassment in that being my next move but I'm grateful for it. Yeah. And I owe a lot to that city. That city built me. Sure. Yeah, definitely. Well, I have to hop on another call here in a minute, but I just actually wanted to see, like, how can we help you? The best way that I could be helped at this point, you know, would be that help would be directed to my nonprofit, the ICAM project. Mm-hmm. My for-profit business is going to be heard since it is in New York City, and that's the epicenter of this pandemic. But I'm not really thinking about profits right mm-hmm. now as I am about how my nonprofit's really going to struggle this year. Mm-hmm. And we do a few projects like employee stewardship. We uh, we do sponsorships for employees in the Pine Ridge Um reservation where we give stipends to help mm-hmm. employ youth mm-hmm. we do um many different projects dealing helping with uh, education mm-hmm. and uh, we even did small grants at one point but this all of that's kind of washed down the, the drain. on the drain this year yeah sure. and uh sure. what we really focus on as a nonprofit is building up people like through like either education, employment, mm-hmm. or um, small businesses and entrepreneurships. Mm-hmm. Because that's the thing that saved me sure. coming from the background I did. Mm-hmm. What changed my story was being a business owner. Mm-hmm. And I want to give that gift back to somebody else. Sure, sure. And just giving people that chance, I feel like, is like the most amazing thing that you and Paula and your other sisters um you know, do do like just the fact that you can give people that hope in life that like there is, you know, a better alternative and there is hope for you and you can, you know, do the things that you want to do. Um, is I mean, truly remarkable, you know, and it it just shows like your guys's character at the end of the day, you know, that you guys are amazing people. And, um, yeah, super, super just blessed and fortunate to know, know you both and know your family for sure. Um, so is there any, like, last minute or last things that you want to leave the listeners with? Hang in there. If you guys are small business owners, uh, I'm sure you're tired of hearing that, but definitely you're not alone. We're all going through this collectively and on in different levels and in varying ways but 
it is a collective experience and it's kind of easy to forget that when you get stuck in your own head. And for people who are not small business owners, why aren't you? You should be. Try it out. It's worth it. It is worth it. (laughs) Well, thank you again for being on the podcast today. I appreciate you. I love you. I, um, we'll see you soon, but in the meantime, I'll, um, keep in contact with you, of course. And if there's anything that I can do for you, just let me know. Um, but yeah, I'll let you know when this podcast is up and then you can share it and show some love and we'll get through this. I know we will. It's all going to be okay. So. Awesome. Okay. Well, I'll talk to you later and yeah. Thank you again for being on today. I appreciate you. Thank you for having me. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you guys again for listening to this podcast. Don't forget to follow me on Facebook and Instagram, Miranda Madison Events. If this podcast has brought you any sort of value or you've learned something possibly from a previous bride or a vendor that you're just wanting to pass on and someone just needs to hear, please share it on with them. Um, I am really excited for this podcast and I am wanting the world to hear it. So however I can help you guys, however I can bring you more value, um, perhaps there's another topic that you may want to hear, just let me know. Thank you guys. Bye.